coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. Every single touch point, both internally and externally, is a reflection on, on the marketing team. You can't do that kind of stuff overnight, but it's the reason why you have to have, I think, a broad understanding of, of all of those different departments and all those disciplines. It'll just make you a, a better marketing person and ultimately more marketable yourself. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome inside the Spherical Media Podcast Studio here in the south end of Charlotte. I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim Baer. Thanks for taking time to join us. Our guest on this edition of The Hive Life is Taylor Busby. Taylor's the Vice President of Marketing and Demand Generation for Stratified. Stratified is an augmented reality platform and one of the fastest growing companies in Charlotte. They focused on blazing fast data insights that reveal your hidden story. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. And, and, and I hate to correct you right off the bat, but we're an augmented intelligence platform, ah, not, not reality. Yeah. There's so this a, is, this is a pretty big the, difference. This is some of the updated, updated pitching? Because I went to the website for my research. <laughs> yes, yes. It might be a typo. Just saying. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> so let's start with your current role at Stratify. What does your day-to-day look like and your overall responsibilities? I mean, that's always kind of a loaded question. Day-to-day and any kind of startup is, is always a little touch and go, as, as I'm sure you guys can relate. You know, we run a pretty fast pace, and, and, and that's one of the things I love about, you know, startup businesses and that whole culture is that it's, it is, you have to kind of embrace the chaos in a lot of ways and, and, and really thrive off of that. And, but, you know, the, the honest answer is, so I, I run the, the marketing and, and demand generation group and demand generation and our world also includes our sales development reps, our SDRs, our BDRs, call them what you want. But they're the folks really on the front lines of, of the sales engine. And one of the things that we have done a little bit uh, uniquely at Stratified is, is to put both that, that SDR, that sales, tip of the spear element, and marketing underneath the same umbrella. I and mean, that's one of the things that I firmly believe in is that the, the best marketing is run in, in lockstep with the sales engine. And I think a lot of organizations, you see uh, this kind of natural disconnect that, that occurs over time. And so we work really hard to try to, to break down those barriers and, and unite those two, those two groups. Yeah, I mean, that's good because you, you avoid some of the blame game that probably happens in most organizations where marketing says sales isn't doing a good, good enough job closing. Sales says marketing's not doing a good enough job getting me leads. So when you put them in the same boat, it sort of forces them to have to work together, right? Yeah, I think it's, and a lot of that happens because if, if you look at the departments as separate, you know, they typically have very different managers, very different objectives. What success looks like is typically very different. And, and so, you know, it, it starts off, I think, as you know, people looking at, all right, well, who gets credit for what, right? And, and, and if you eliminate those two, those two things and you all have kind of one objective or common objectives, it makes the whole team run more efficiently. And at the end of the day, I look at marketing as making the sales engine you know, more efficient, more scalable so that we can sell more. I mean, that's, that's fundamentally, I think, the role of, of the marketing group. And we work really hard to, to make that happen. Let's talk about uh, business ownership because you own, you still currently own lean branding, working on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's own is, is I'll put that in air quotes, but it's it's uh, <laughs> so my, my my background is not unlike a lot of, of marketing folks in that you know when I graduated from college in in '94, I um, I had a, a passion for more traditional advertising, right? So I worked at a variety of different uh, graphic design firms, advertising agencies. Working on you know, a lot of B two B client clients, but a lot of mainly business to consumer work. You know everything from Miller Brewing to, to MTV to NASCAR, right? Uh, to to um, Velux Skylights, right? So a <laughs> wide range of of of, uh, of companies that I worked on, and and I'd say the second part of my career, I kind of made that transition, right? And I think in the advertising world, this is all pre-internet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very different world. Yeah, I think either you, you continue to, to grow and thrive within the, the, the advertising business, which is a business industry I love, but in many cases, you, you move over to the client side, and, and that was my case. I had a, a, an old client from Muzak, a guy who used to be chairman of, of Muzak, uh, uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Bill Boyd. He recruited me to run uh, marketing for a business that he had gotten involved with disaster recovery business continuity space a company called agility recovery and, and on the sounds of it it sounds pretty boring and i will tell you though it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life it was we had an incredible management team we grew that business from 200 accounts to over 20,000 uh, over the course of about 10 years we sold that business in in uh, 2015 but I learned a ton. It's where I, I saw the value of developing a culture that that united marketing and sales. And uh, but after we sold the business, I went out on my own and and started a business called uh, Lean Branding. And and I primarily worked with either private equity owned uh, organizations, but a lot of startup organizations that were spinning off of incubators. Right? There's a big incubator called TechStars. Uh, out of Boulder, and, and uh, I worked with a lot of those those businesses, and it, it's it never ceases to amaze me. But it's like you, you have all these great startups with amazing ideas, and the lucky ones will get some seed funding, right? The, somebody, some investor will say, "Hey, congratulations! Here's a million dollars. I go scale the business." And and for the most part, uh, those founders are technologists, or um, you know, they might be somebody with a really good idea but not have the sales acumen to to really understand what a scaling a sales organization look like, and so. I developed a business that was really based around, right, how do you put those kind of those foundational elements in place to help those companies really kind of get off the ground and, and help them think differently about marketing. What I mean by that is is most companies, when they think of marketing, they think of, think of advertising, right, or they think of a logo, or they think of an identity, or in most cases now, it's content generation or inbound. Everybody wants inbound leads. And what they, they fail to do is take a close look at what they're doing internally. And in most cases, they just kind of leave salespeople up to their own devices, right? And so they figure sales will just figure it out. And as a result, sales has their own PowerPoint decks, their own you know, marketing collateral that they've kind of cobbled together. And it doesn't help anybody in, that, that, in that, that system. And so we put a lot of focused effort on making sure we arm the sales team with the best tools to be successful. Very, very cool. So coming now, fast forward to present day, how did you hook up with Stratified and, and what's that experience been like for you? So I hooked up with Stratified through a former colleague of mine. He had introduced me to Derek Wang, who's our CEO. And Stratified, it's, it's been a really rewarding experience. I think it's, it's a company that's going through kind of a cultural shift. And I think that a lot of startup organizations, as they grow, 
you know, it could be at a frenetic pace. And Stratified was in that, that case. I mean, it grew really quickly and hired a, a lot of folks. Um, and then at one point they looked around and they're like, wow, we've, you know, have really a lot of folks doing a lot of really meaningful work, but without a lot of structure, guidance. And so I was one of many people who who've come into the business with the hope of trying to put uh, a little more organization around those different disciplines. And, you know, and that could be a challenge, right? So how do you go from being very startup-y feeling, right? Uh, with the, the kegs in the break room and you know, the, <laughs> the cold brew on tap and unlimited vacation and no real set work hours. I mean, those are all fantastic things. And believe me, I would love to work with a company that had all of those, <laughs> those things. But at some point, you have to really start professionalizing the business, put more structure around that. And with the hope that you still keep the same culture, all the good vibes that that generates at the same time bring a level of, of professionalism that, that helps you run the business more efficiently. I and mean, that could be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, we totally get that because we're, we're actually feeling that pain as well as we've grown and we're not nearly to the size that you guys are. We're only at 16 now, but as we've grown, just having to codify things and change those policies, there is like a yin and yang. You're sort of battling each other of, I don't want to lose that piece that we've really built but at the same time, we do need to figure it out as we get bigger. How many? How are we going to be able to manage this? And so you're right. I, I totally can understand those growing pains. Yeah, a lot of times we think by process is not a good thing, but it, it's a very good thing. Uh, but in the what the culture was before, you're just trying not to sort of make your your people feel like you're taking too much away too quickly. And there's a there's a careful balance there, Taylor. I, you know, looking on your website as well, and, and these words stood out to me in the way that you guys describe yourselves and. And some of those words are strategic thinkers, artists, scientists, storytellers, and as unique and the future. Uh, we associate a lot of those words with Spherical Media as a, as a creative video agency and storytelling agency. Put that into context for us of maybe picking a few of those words and, and applying it to your space and why you choose to use those words. Well, storytelling is one thing that's near and dear to my heart. I, I think that I'm a big believer and that the, the best communications, the best marketing, the best salespeople are, are storytellers, right? And I think that ultimately people buy for emotional reasons. I think that, yes, you have to be able to, to answer the really tough questions, right? You, you, you have to have you know, tools in your, in your back pocket. So when a person says, well, how do you justify your cost, right? You need to be able to have a, a, a solid answer for those things. But at the end of the day, what distinguishes you and, and, and why people buy is because they made some sort of emotional connection to your, your product or service. Firmly believe that. I think the same thing can be said for stuff like data analytics. So Stratified is a data analytics platform, right? And, and what we say, what we like, what we believe is that we are, we are truly the fastest way to find the hidden stories within your data. And I think that ultimately... We rely on this idea, this word stories because I, I don't think really people really care about data, mm -hmm. right? right? I mean, if you're a data scientist, you do. It means something very different. But as a manager, as an owner, as a practitioner for different disciplines, you don't really care about data. What you care is the stories that that data tells you. All right, what's the story that's going to help me run my business more efficiently? What's the story that's going to help me manufacturing improve? What's the story that's going to help my customer experience department deliver an, an incredible service? So, so those are the things that we try to find, and, and that's why we built Stratified. 
you know, we live in a data-driven world. From the smallest companies to the largest in the world, you know, there's data coming in from a million different sources, right? You know, think about your business, right? You have you know, probably you know, Salesforce.com, right? A CRM. You, have, you probably have customer reviews coming in from someplace. You probably have live chat on your website. You have people calling you on the phone. These are all data sources. And the larger you get, the more difficult it becomes to understand what's the real value of that information. Every touch point can be telling you something. Finding those touch points and, and unifying all of these data sources, all of these different channels into one platform is, is what Stratify does. And it's what we excel at. Very cool. I love that you frame it that way. I think uh, I was on a call yesterday and somebody said the line, um, the shortest distance between two people is a story. And in a lot of ways, that plays to what you're talking about as far as, you know, empowering your people now to say, here's what the data says, and this is what it means, and this is how we can really share that story. So that's, that's um, really, I, I think, powerful to, to hear. What other challenges are you guys facing as a company when you, you know, you're growing fast, you're changing, things are happening? What, um, as a marketing organization, when you're trying to get out there and get in front of people, what are some of the challenges you're facing? You know, I think as it relates to the challenges we face as an organization, and I think all organizations face the same challenge at some level, it's just focus. I think you know, there's so much incredible technology out there today, especially if you're a marketing person or a salesperson. You know, the number of, of amazing SaaS tools that are available to, and they all say the same thing, right? We're going to make you more efficient. We're going to make you more successful. We're going to help you organize your day better. And the same thing can be said for, for marketing tools. And there's, there's seemingly no end of the next great tool that's going to, to help you manage your content and, and generate tons of inbound traffic. The problem is that those things can be a distraction and, and chasing that next shiny thing is, is tough. And I think that you know, trying to stay focused is tough. And I think that's kind of where we can kind of keep coming back to is, all right, where are we going to see the biggest bang for our buck? And it's tough, right? Because you know that just around the bend is another great opportunity waiting for you to explore, right? Sure. Um, at the same time, we also know we've had proven success in very specific industries, right? Financial services, you know, big pharma, customer experience. You know, those, those are all areas uh, that we have an expertise in. But at the same time, man, it seems like our platform would be perfect for e-commerce, right? These these categories that are growing like crazy. Sure. But if we if we allow ourselves to get distracted, especially with a relatively small organization, then it becomes very difficult to stay focused, and everything just kind of gets watered down over time. So focus is is obviously the the, the key point, and whether that's in sales, product development, and in marketing, I think it, that holds true. And it's it's more important now than ever that you know, the, the game has changed with, with COVID-19. You know, what, what used to be really important for our prospects all of a sudden wasn't as important anymore, right? So we, the immediate impact we saw as a company, as a sales and marketing team, was a couple of things. On the, on the sales front, all the meetings that we had teed up, most of them got pushed back, right, to some undisclosed dates, just because it's there's just so much uncertainty out there. All of a sudden, everybody's working from home. What does that mean? It's just there was just a lot of a lot of fear. And then from the marketing side, we definitely could always guarantee that there would be a high volume of inbound leads based on the volume of marketing, right? So the more emails we would send, you know, the more that would convert. 
pretty stereotypical. Open rates would say the same, click-through rates would say the same, leads that would people that download documents would say about the same. For the first time, we saw that not to be true. So there was, wasn't a direct correlation between the volume of emails that we sent, for example, and the number of people who are opening and clicking and, and, and downloading content. It just kind of dropped off a cliff. The good news is that we are definitely seeing that turnaround. We're definitely seeing momentum shift and pretty quickly. And so almost across the board, we're, we're seeing an uptick. And, and I think a lot of that though, isn't necessarily because of, of the work that my team is doing. I think we're the beneficiaries of just kind of a change in strategic direction. And for us, the, the change was to get really laser focused on being more account-based from a marketing and sales perspective and, and really highly targeting who are we going after and let's develop and nurture those relationships. And, and that level of discipline and focus has allowed all of us to organize our teams better. And I think that, that we're starting to see the results of that. And what is that optimal target in terms of the company that you're going after? For, for those that are listening and wondering, is Stratified a good fit for us? What are some of the parameters that that you look at in, in general terms that say, okay, these are who we're going after, or this is an organization that would find great value in what we provide. So, so stratified, I would say the vast majority of our existing customers are enterprise, large enterprise organizations, fortune 500 companies. We have customers all across the globe and in a variety of different sectors. Financial services, I mentioned before, is a big market for us. Uh, pharma is another big market for us. We excel in the, the customer experience space, for sure, across verticals. But I think that, that you know, for us to be really effective, it's not necessarily the size of the business that matters. It's the volume of data that really makes a difference, right? So if you're a company that, um, that isn't generating a lot of, of data, you're probably not the best fit for us. But uh, those organizations that are, are, are drowning in a sea of data are perfect for us. Because I think what our platform really does, and, and I'll use an example, we have a, a company in New Zealand of all places. They're an energy company called Contact Energy, kind of like a Duke Power for those of us here in, in, uh, in North Carolina. You know, they're, they're sifting through, you know, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of records trying to understand what their customers uh, see as being most important. And they're literally doing that manual, right? They download into a CSV file. They had some data analysts that were going through there and trying to, going through every record and trying to categorize those records based on the sentiment, right? The problem is that they're only really looking at survey data, data that's very empirical by nature, um, structured data. They're missing all the unstructured data. So every phone call that's been coming into their call center, it's very difficult to kind of categorize that stuff and understand the true sentiment behind those conversations. What our platform does is allows a, a, them to take all of that structured data, like from a survey, all the unstructured data from chat and from, from live conversations, transcribe those calls into into text, and then we can kind of understand the sentiment, the true, the true meaning behind those conversations. And so almost instantly, you can start understanding, all right, what are the key issues that are arising, right? And, you know, develop a cool world cloud. So you can start really focusing in on uh, those things that really, truly provide value to the business. So you don't have to spend thousands of man hours trying to figure it out yourself. Our belief is that let's, let's rely on machines to do that hard work for you, right? augmented intelligence, artificial intelligence. It's a perfect use case for that. Uh, let's let the machines tease out those key signals in the data, and then let's rely on the humans, and this is where augmented, data, augmented uh, intelligence uh, comes into play, 
It's just basically saying, how do you overlay a human intelligence on top of what the machines are finding to really understand the nuances of those insights? So with that unstructured data, and this is getting in the weeds a little bit, but does the sentiment, I mean, wouldn't it naturally turn negative because it's a somebody calling with a complaint? So the majority of those would be more of the negative, but you'd be figuring out what their problems are. It can be, right? And so that's the challenge. Yeah. Um, I think within the CX space and is, is I mean, when do you usually ever uh, write a customer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? yeah. It's like, you, you're not usually moved to write something positive. Most people, if they're going to put forth a review. It's like the Yelp, S- the Yelp world where everything is negative about restaurants. That's right. That's right. But uh, the good news is that there are, in fact, a lot of positive reviews coming in too, right? Different channels are better for that than others. But I do think that, so, so those things are really important. I think with, with uh, COVID-19, for example, and this is one of the interesting things that I think has changed dramatically as it relates to trends within, I think, just the, the, the data analysis industry, if I could even use that term, is that we are seeing a, a new level of importance being given to those, those data scientist teams, uh, those CX practitioners. Because before it was like, you know, I, I, this is a, a gross overstatement, but we'll, we'll pick on the CX, the customer experience teams within organizations. I think it's in many cases it's difficult to take those findings and and understand how does that truly turn into value for the company. So as a result, management they 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 listen to it, they appreciate it, but there's just not a lot of value being given to the business. I think that's totally changed, and I think the role of the CX practitioner has definitely. Uh, become very, very important with almost every organization across the board, right? Everybody's working remotely. You know, customers are remote for the first time ever. A lot of times they're interacting digitally with the company in ways they didn't before. And being able to say, all right, it's okay just to, just to give us the, the, the monthly, the weekly uh, report isn't okay anymore, right? I mean, you need to be able to understand what's happening uh, in that customer experience space uh, on, on an hourly and, and, and daily basis. And then you have to be able to and to interpret that information in a way that truly does drive value to business. I had a quick question, just um, a self-serving one. Uh, so this is when I get to that one. Uh, as far as what you guys are using for tools um, in your marketing space, are you using video? Have you used it? How successful has it been? What's, what's that played out in your world? So I'm a big believer in video, uh, for sure, and, and we are using it. So you know, I've been with the company since, um, since last fall. Um, and there's, there's been a lot of change, certainly, um, not only at the company, but just globally. And so um, a lot of, um, I, I would say, my ambitious plans for the business are, are, were kind of backburnered. Uh, and, uh, and video is certainly one of those things. And so, um, for example, the, the company I was just referencing, Contact Energy, if you go to our, our, our website today, stratified.com, insert plug here, um, you'll see a, a video uh, that features um, several folks from that, that company. And it's not the typical kind of talking heads. And I know that's spherical. Uh, one of the things that you guys do really well is that, is that it, you're not just doing the talking head in front of the, in front of the, the camera, um, boring video. You tell a story. And, and, uh, and that's what we try to do as well. So video is certainly um, important to us uh, from a testimonial perspective. That's credibility. I would love to think that everybody knows who Stratified is. I'm not that naive. Uh, we're, we're in that kind of hyper-growth stage. Uh, give me a year 
Um, <laughs> but uh, but so we'll do this podcast again in one year and we'll touch. Please, please. <laughs> but uh, that's one of the powers, the things about the video, right? Is it allows you to um, to tell a story and build credibility, right? And and not through the eyes of some talking head like me, but through the eyes of a customer. That's part of it. And, and then also you know, with a, a SaaS platform, video can also be a great way to help people to understand what's the real value of the platform. How does the platform work? What can I expect when I uh, log in? There's um, a lot of tutorials that are, we, we, we have today and that we need to improve on. So those types of explainer type videos, educational videos can be really, really powerful too. You can't overlook, obviously, the factors right now that you guys are having to uh, redirect in terms of strategy with, with COVID. But outside of that, uh, maybe where you were trying to go before and where you're going in terms of exciting developments with Stratified, do you have an update there for us? Yeah. So, I mean, I think most importantly is in July, we are launching the next iteration of our platform. I think that uh, our platform today is really fast, really stable got some beautiful visualizations that help you interpret that data in a unique way, but it's not the most intuitive, right? So there's a lot of heavy lifting that goes on as it relates to onboarding new customers. And I say heavy lifting, that's not the right word, I would say. We put a lot of, of focused effort and attention on, and on providing kind of a white glove experience for our customers. But that's partially a result of making sure everybody knows on the customer side how to use the tool and do it in a way that's efficient and, and so you get the most value out of it. The new iteration of our platform kind of changes that, that game completely. It's more intuitive, the UI is, is beautiful, and I think it's gonna really allow us to showcase our platform to a lot of folks that might not be as technically savvy, right? And, and that's the ultimate goal, right? And, and I think as a, as a vision for our company, we ultimately wanna make sure that we can bring data analytics uh, solutions to businesses of all sizes, and people of all skill sets, not just you know the data scientist or the practitioner or the person with experience in that space, but to schmucks like me and, and you guys, right? Like how, how can we make those tools available and make it easy enough to be used so that we see the value instantly? And, and this next version of our platform, which is launching in July, um, is a huge step to, to making that vision a reality. Very cool. All right, we're gonna get into a fun part here. It's the rapid fire questions. So we throw a couple of these in there. Uh, some of them are a little bit deeper than rapid fire, but we'll still throw them in there. So first one off the bat, what keeps you motivated? Well, first off, I, I think I, I assign probably too much value personally to the work that I do professionally. I, I really get a kick out of, out of building businesses and of, of all sizes. And, and, um, and so, I'm sure my wife and kids would probably say that's not necessarily a great thing, but it's something that I, I definitely really enjoy. But motivation is just kind of one of those weird things too. I'm, I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose, but more importantly, I, I like building stuff. And so all throughout my career, I've, I've aligned myself with, with companies that have a really big upside and being a part of that growth is something that's really exciting to me. Share a defining moment in your life, either professionally or personally, that you went through that changed you for the better. Good lord, that's a deep one. That one's loaded, right? <laughs> we don't. We just. These aren't that uh, rapid. Yeah, we don't throw that out all the time, so we do that carefully. You just happen to be the recipient. Well, I, I would say both personally and professionally. I, I mentioned uh, a guy by the name of, of Bill Boyd, 
Uh, he's kind of a local Charlotte legend in the business world. He, he uh, brought Muzak to Charlotte in the 90s, and, and he was the chairman of this business, Agility Recovery, that I worked for for years. And he was one of the first people, I think, that I had met in my professional career that one was proud to be a salesperson, right? You don't, you don't hear that very sure. often. Um, and I remember the very first meeting I was in with him, he literally stood up in front of the room and was like, look, I am proud to be a salesperson. Everybody here should, be, should exclaim that from the rooftops, right? Salespeople are the only ones that made money during the Great Depression. My grandfather was a salesperson. My great-grandfather was a salesperson. And to me, it kind of changed my perspective on, on what it means to be a salesperson and, and why that's truly a skill set and not just you know, something that you're just naturally born with. But a bill, more, than, more importantly than anything else, when it comes to management and when it comes to just understanding business, I think he really understood that ultimately, if you want people that work for you to, to value their time at work, you got to understand what they're really working for, and that's that's you know that's their families. I joke about my wife and kids, but they're clearly a, a top priority. And I think most people here work so that you know they can they can provide a, a great life. And he really put an emphasis on, on that, and and it's something I've I've never forgotten. What would your advice be then in either marketing or related lead generation? Uh, all those things you're in right now to a younger individual that might have an interest in that area. What's your advice for them? Well, I think, you know, the best marketing folks that I know are, are, are one, very creative. Um, they don't necessarily have to be the creator. They don't have to be a graphic designer or, uh, or an amazing copywriter. However, I think, you know, crafting an argument with a written word is something they should all focus on. That's, that, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a dying skill for sure. But I think most really good marketers are creative, but they're also generalist and fields of specialists. So they have very broad experience. And so uh, whether you're going into content marketing or, or digital marketing um, um, or just, you know, starting as a marketing coordinator, I, I would always encourage those folks to, to try to get as broad uh, exposure as humanly possible within the organization. Because the reality is marketing isn't just about a website or demand generation really good marketing weaves its way into every aspect of every business, right? So from billing to customer service, to sales to operations, every single touch point, both internally and externally, is a reflection on, on the marketing team. You can't do that kind of stuff overnight, uh, but it's the reason why you have to have, I think, a, a broad understanding of, of all of those different departments and all those disciplines. It'll just make you a, a better marketing person and ultimately more marketable yourself. Couldn't agree more on that. You know, one of our things, a lot of our people in here are former journalists. And so from that journalist side, they've been having to tell stories for their whole lives, but they've also experienced a lot of different, you know, places and people and way things go. So I think you're completely right in that space. All right. The last one, leave us with a fun fact that most people wouldn't know about you, either hobbies, things that you enjoy, something along those lines that most people wouldn't know out there. Most people wouldn't know. Well, I mean, here's here's the reality. So I have two daughters. They're they're uh, one's in high school, one's in middle school now. But when they were little, you know, they're really into My Little Pony. So if anybody knows anything about My Little Pony, all the ponies have basically the, what they're called. I don't I don't even know what they're called anymore. They're basically like little tattoos that somehow reflect what that My Little Pony uh, is all about. Like Rainbow Dash had the tattoo of a. Um, of, a, of a lightning bolt, you know, on her leg. There was a, there was a My Little Pony that was very creative, had like a, an easel or, or paints on her, on her leg. 
and we went around the table once and said, all right, what would everybody, cutie stars or cute, what they, they were called, I don't know. <laughs> what would everybody's tattoo be? And, and, uh, and they all went around the table and, um, and it came around to me. And sadly enough, their comment was, daddy's would definitely be a TV. <laughs> Right. That's when you know you are failing as probably an, a parent and as a functioning human, right? That you're watching way too much TV. So that's, that's, that's one thing. I, I know I, I'm, um, we are in a, the amount of good stuff on TV is ridiculous. But uh, I, I would say, though, that uh, most people um, wouldn't see me as being much of a thrill seeker. Uh, but I've run with the bulls in Pamplona. Um, I've jumped out of a hot air balloon uh, from a bungee cord. Uh, back before bungee jumping was actually a real thing, um, I thought it was going to die. But uh, other than that, um, you know, I, I do tend to get out from behind a TV screen from every now and then. <laughs> Great That's stuff. Pretty good. Not That's too often. Good. Not too often do you get My Little Pony and thrill seeking and thrill seeking in the in same story. It's pretty impressive. Now, do you still do the thrill seeking post kids? Because I feel like my thrill abilities went way down once I had a daughter. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I can remember thinking like when my, my, uh, my kids were born, it was like, I just hope I live long enough so they have like real memories of me, right? right. Now that they have memories of me, I've, I've kind of shifted my focus a little bit, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's a funny thing about growing up and, and having responsibilities for other people beside yourself, it totally changes the game. It and, really does. And I can remember thinking like, like I was never afraid to fly until after I got married. And all of a sudden, I realized that look, I, this it's not about just me anymore, and the weight of that clearly had an impact. Well, Taylor, thanks so much. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me, and I really appreciate it. We want to remind our audience: you can find out more about us by going to spiraclebuzz.com. Check out our resources tab for video tips, the blog section as well, and our podcast page for more episodes of this and the QCC. For Taylor Busby and Tim Bear, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for joining us, and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit SpiracleBuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.